When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Live from the NFL Combine, this is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd on a to-be-determined-named Colts podcast. (laughs) Still in the works. Thank you for all your recommendations. We're working through it, getting some recommendations from everybody. We have a special guest today. It's the NFL Combine. Everybody in the NFL world is here. Andy Staples, senior writer for the college football team at The Athletic. We were just kind of BSing before the podcast, and he was around, and I said, all right, we want to know everything we can about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony (laughs) Richardson, who plays for Florida, which is where Andy lives. Let's just dive in. The Colts need a quarterback desperately. We can talk, James, later about what Chris Ballard and Shane Sykin said yesterday. But for those who are not super, super, super familiar with these guys, where do you start when you start to evaluate these top four? So Bryce Young is the best at football, or at least has demonstrated that he's the best at football. If you, if you watch him play at Alabama, you have supreme confidence that he's going to get you where you need to go. And the, the part that is interesting about Bryce, where it's a little bit different from Mac Jones or Tua or quarterbacks that have come out of Alabama of recent vintage, Bryce had one year with a dominant, with a couple dominant receivers, with Jamison Williams and John Mechie in 2021. They didn't have any dominant receivers last year. Like they, the, the, the first round well ran dry among their receivers. And so they didn't have anybody who could really separate. It was not a great Alabama offensive line. He still led them to an 11 and 2 record, and they lost on a last second field goal in a 52-50 you know, game, and then, and then they lose on a, an overtime two-point conversion against LSU. So they were still in the thick of the national title hunt despite that because of Bryce Young. Now, we're recording this before we know his height and weight. Uh, That's going to be a huge story this week, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's video of him walking in, you know, it's, and everyone's freaking out. Like, it's like hey. Joe Burrow's hands all over again. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's so funny to me because, you know, Dane Brugler at The Athletic, he, he tells me all the time, this is his favorite stat of the, this draft season. I mean, two quarterbacks since 2000 who were drafted who weighed less than 200 pounds and measured less than six feet tall at the combine. Any guesses as to who? You, is there, there's some deep breeze was six feet. They are deep cuts. It's breeze was six feet and also thick. That's the thing you got to remember. Like yeah, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Russell thick. Wilson, all thick. Oh my god! Uh, what are the names? I'm dying to know. Joe Hamilton from Georgia Tech. Nope. And Seneca Wallace from oh, Iowa okay. State. Okay. Playmaker. Yep. Number fifteen. Yep. And Joe Hamilton. You know, played played in. It's funny because everybody thinks of Georgia Tech as the the triple option team, like it was for for as many years as it was. But Joe played in a, a pretty pass happy offense there. But yeah, it's it's funny because Bryce is an outlier physically, and I, I don't know if he's going to have like biscuits in his pockets when he <laughs> he gets on the scale. And I would, I would too. I mean, what he he's here to weigh in, and he's going to work out at pro day. Like I, you know, you you don't, and I don't. He doesn't need to run like. He's, no. the one, he's the one of these quarterbacks that I need to see the least from. 
I just I know he's good at playing quarterback. Durability would be my only question. Now he he had one game that he missed as a, in two years as a starter with a sprained shoulder. He missed the Texas A&M game this year because he, he sprained his shoulder. But other than that, fairly durable and was one of those guys that that doesn't take a lot of direct hits. And he does not. He's not a a run first quarterback. He's, That's important. He's athletic, but he uses that athleticism to extend plays in the pocket. It, it, the, the running is a very last resort thing for Bryce. Speaking of first-round wide receivers, a guy that threw to a loaded offensive talent pool oh, yes. is the next quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Yep. And as I was just on local radio, they said, you know, C.J. Stroud is not going to be throwing to a guy in Marvin Harrison Jr. who is so much better than everyone else right. at this level. But we just mentioned he had an unbelievable game on the biggest stage against the best defense mm-hmm. and the best team in football. How much does one game color a prospect's evaluation, and how much should you look at the body of work? Because the game before wasn't any good against no. Michigan. It helps a little bit for me. Because my biggest concern about C.J. was how do you operate in a dirty pocket? Because most of, the team, most of the time, Ohio State is so overwhelmingly better than the team it's playing that and like even Alabama, they have to play teams in the SEC that have legit NFL defensive linemen. Ohio State's not always playing that type of team, and so when they played Penn State, there were there were some moments where it was, it was like this guy is really not used to pressure at all. And how do you, how does he handle this going forward? And then the you know can he use his legs? Does he need to when he has to? There are games, though, where, where you saw it. Like Northwestern, the wind was blowing 35, 40 miles an hour. They, nobody could throw. And when they needed him to run, he ran. He got the yards they needed. They won the game. He kind of gritted it out. And the Georgia game, though, he's evading dudes that look and, and are as big and as fast as the people he'll see in the NFL and then making really my, good my throws. Was, where has this been? I just, I, Maybe I think he didn't cons- need to do it very often. Well, I also think thing. they were concerned with getting him hurt. For, for, you know, it, it, in the playoff, it's win or go home. You just, you know, throw everything out. But I think a lot of it was they didn't, weren't sure about the guys they had behind him. And, and obviously it's Ohio State. They have five-star guys behind him too, but I don't think they thought they were ready yet. So that, I think, had a little bit to do with it. So, you know, Ryan Day says, oh, no, we didn't, we didn't hold back. I kind of think they probably did a little bit. So the, the CJ thing is interesting to me because I do think – in this situation where guys are throwing to receivers they don't know, it's not scripted by their private quarterback coach like it is at Pro Day, he probably will look the best in terms of accuracy because he's just accurate. He's, he's a that matters great to the thrower they of the keep football. mentioning <laughs> yeah. not just arm strength, accuracy. Yeah. Accuracy, decision-making, and ability to create, which he showed in the Georgia yeah. game. And he's a lot bigger than Bryce, so you got to think. Yeah. That evaluation is close. Yeah, but there's two guys that are a lot bigger than both those guys. Tell me oh. about these guys. <laughs> we hear a lot about these <laughs> guys. These guys are all over the map in yeah. terms of evaluation. So Will Levis is a guy who started his career at Penn State, could not beat out Sean Clifford, transferred to Kentucky, comes to Kentucky the same year that Liam Cohen comes from the Rams. And so he brings that McVay offense there. And – Will had a good year in that offense. It was he didn't light the world on fire. It was eight like an eight and a half yard per attempt average. Uh, Wandale Robinson, who plays for the Giants now, was was the the star receiver and kind of the the key playmaker. But they had a pretty good offensive line. They had a very good running back in Chris Rodriguez. So they had pieces around him, and you saw him operate an offense that a bunch of the NFL loves right now. And I think that will that's what got him all that preseason buzz. This season, 
Liam Cohen goes back to the Rams as the OC. By the way, he's already back at Kentucky as the OC. Uh, but Rich Scangarello <laughs> comes from the 49ers, so brings a different flavor because the McVay offense and Shanahan offense are similar trees. So, right. um, But brings a different flavor of that offense. It did not go well. But they had a bad offensive line. Rodriguez was suspended early. Levis got hurt. I think Levis was more hurt than, than people realize. That said, you look at even, even Levis's 2021 numbers, they're not – as gaudy as, as Bryce Young's. They're not as gaudy as C.J. Stroud's. And you can say, well, yeah, they have so much more talent. But, no, I mean, you've seen truly great quarterbacks drag their teams That's the knock to a on dominant him. offense. He didn't lift the team, lift yeah. the offense, lift the program. Yeah, right. there isn't that one game where you're like. No, there's no, there's no classic Will Levis game. There's no, this is the best. Now, there's, there's the worst one. I was at it. It was the Tennessee game this year. And it was awful for him. That was a bad, bad game. And so he's got he's to be able to convince them that, hey, I was very hurt. And, and I believe that because, like, that Tennessee game was after the injury. And I think, I think they're going to they're gonna give him some grace on that one. And then he'll do well in the interviews. He's a, he's a guy that teammates loved. People wanted to follow him. And so he's got a shot to, to impress these folks. And then you, you – you get him in an offense, he's going to operate it well. He could play earlier than some of these other guys. Really? That's because not what I heard. Okay, so interesting. Well, no. Physically, he's there. Oh, physically. He's 6'4", he's 230. Yeah, like, he's, he can run. Yeah. You um, see him and you just know. It's like. But he can operate. When, when I say play earlier, he can operate an NFL offense. Like, he's not going to get you a delay of game penalty every five seconds. Like, and and this, is, this is like Brock Purdy last year. You know, people don't realize Brock Purdy played – for Tom Manning at Iowa State, he was I, Manning was Manning Iowa State's back, defense. Right, Manning very, was with very Sirianni early right. on right. with the Colts. Bring Sirianni's offense, so it's not the same as Shanahan's offense, but it has long play calls. It has lots of pre-snap motion. It's all the stuff that you have to be able to manage that a lot of quarterbacks coming out of college have not had to manage. They've never done it. Yeah. Right. So Levis has managed that, and that's that's where if you have to throw him in early, which with Levis and Anthony Richardson, I would recommend do not throw them in early. But if you had to, he at least could operate your offense. Richardson, different story. Richardson is the rawest, but also has the highest ceiling of anybody. When, when he comes out and throws, angels will sing. Like That good. He's 6'5", he's 235, he may run a 4-4. I mean, he outran like LSU's defense. Yeah, he like, may run a 4-4 here. Defense. Yeah. He's athletically off the charts. Scouts are going to be drooling. So the comp is Cam Newton, and he's probably faster than Cam Newton was. He's not quite as big, but the arm is unbelievable. Here's the problem. Cam Newton played in an offense where only one other player even started an NFL game. The combined number of starts on that Auburn offense in 2010, minus Cam Newton, of NFL starts, one. That's, a, that's an amazing now, stat. Now, Philip Lutzenkirk and the tight end would have, would have started a lot of they games. They won a national but he, championship. Yeah, he died in a car accident before he got to play in the NFL. But, but nobody else made a dent in the NFL at all. They won the national championship. That's how good Cam was. Anthony went 6-6. Six and six with, with a team. With a team that was okay. It, they didn't have great receivers. They had the best line Florida's had in a long time. Uh, Osiris Torrance, the guard, is going to be a first-round pick in this draft. And did a good running game. So that's the thing with Anthony is, is can he elevate an offense? 
and he's very inconsistent. He will make throws that, that during games that just wow you. And I mean, there's missed. a seam throw in the LSU game where you're like, how, how, do, how does anybody not take this guy first overall? Yeah, mm-hmm. I talked to Osiris at the senior bowl, and he's like, yeah, he did stuff in practice, and yep. it would be amazing to us because we haven't seen it like in a game. He's like, yeah, he does it like three times a week. Yeah, Jervon Dexter, who, who is their you know, defensive lineman who's going to get drafted in the second or third round, he, uh, he was on an AAU team with Anthony growing up. Oh, wow. And he, he, yesterday he goes, Anthony would win the dunk contest in the NBA. Like, yeah, I saw a clip of him on, on Twitter from uh, overtime, I think, where he was just yeah. easily yeah, taking his, through the legs and dunking. Athleticism is off the charts. Arm is off the charts. What about the misses, the that's, accuracy? That's yeah. the problem. The 53 that, 54%? Right. Like the Florida State game is a prime example. He had some drops. The receivers had some drops, and I, I've heard that from Florida fans as an excuse. If you watch that game, he, he can't miss for a quarter and a half, and he can't find anybody for two and a half quarters. It was, it was his whole season in microcosm. That keeps coaches up at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you can't. But it, they're going to look at him. Can you coach? Yeah. Ego, ego's going to play into coaches' minds. I can improve his accuracy. I can fix him. They said that yesterday. Now, yeah. here, here's with, here, with mechanics. Here's the thing. Shane coming from the Eagles. I covered a lot of Jalen Hurts games. I saw Jalen Hurts play a lot at Alabama, and I saw him play at Oklahoma. He didn't throw like he throws now. No. Yeah. Somebody, somebody yeah. fixed that. No, it's he real. Like he didn't throw like he throws now, like last season. Right. Like last right. year against the Bucks, the right. playoffs. It's terrible. Like that, that throw to Dallas Goddard on the sideline, I, I cannot imagine college Jalen Hurts making that throw. Can't imagine it. So, like, that is – the part where if one of these guys goes, I can, I can work with this. You know, this is the best clay he's I can a, get. He's a long term. I can work. He's with a long term. But project. you got to have somebody. See, that's why the Colts may, unless they, they sign somebody. I I don't know if the right situation. They need a bridge quarterback. The, the ideal they're going to spot sign one. for Richardson. I think is Detroit if you're going to do it because. Goff is good enough to take you to the playoffs now. No pressure at yep. all for him to rush. Yeah, he can be Alex Smith to Patrick, and, and that's the comparison you're going to hear. Now, I will caution everybody because they say, well, Josh Allen got more accurate. And, he's and the then, only one. And, right, and, exactly. The and, then, and, then, and then Smith was the bridge year for Mahomes, and, and Mahomes started. These are very outlier-type and examples. Like Describe two superstars. Yes, like that doesn't happen. Those stories are going to get a lot of coaches fired yeah. because yes. they're going to try to replicate it. And like you said, there's only one Mahomes. There's only one Allen. Right. Anthony is the highest ceiling, lowest floor quarterback of the of the first round type. And and look, as someone who watched him play all season, the idea of him going in the first round to me is insane. That's interesting. But. I understand where the you know NFL how this works. From. Yeah, you know, this this month, next yeah. month, they just keep climbing. Yep, and they look great at their pro days, and they throw it seventy yards but see, against last their body. Year, last year, they they kind of did my heart good. Like all the little bit had, of discipline. You, you had the Malik Willis hype, and I'm like, Malik Willis is not a first round quarterback. Malik Willis has a great arm. He's a great athlete, but he needs a lot of work. He's super raw. He doesn't go till the third round. That's where he should have gone. You know, Anthony should not be drafted in a place where the fan base and the, the, the administration is going to expect him to start right away. That's really important. That's a bad situation if you do that. That's really important. But he's going to be fun to watch. Oh, I, I'm telling you on this Saturday. Week, like, that's the, the, the throwing on Saturday, I'm very curious to see because, again, it's not your receivers. 
Now, it's probably better It's better receivers than he was throwing to at Florida this year. But it's not stage managed. It's, it's a coach saying, you throw that route to that guy right here. And so how is his accuracy on that? If it's good on that, they're going to come out of here raving about him. If yep. he's missing on those, the questions are going to pop up again. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that he has perhaps the most to gain by just throwing and being out there and maybe oh, getting if, some of those oohs and ahs? If he of- has a great workout here – He'll leave with people talking about him being the number one overall draft pick. And it, wow. won't, and it won't be a clickbait thing. Like, I've seen a couple if of If he them. has a super accurate passing, yeah, yeah he's. Now, I think C.J. Stroud will be the one that, that actually does. Mm-hmm. But if, if Richardson or Levis does that, because they both have the same kind of, generally one of the same issues for them is they've got the Nolan Ryan fastball, but they haven't developed a changeup. They, they don't, you know. They need don't, the changeup they need the, You need the touch need to hit the, on the intermediate routes and yeah. short routes. That's the part where they need to – both of them need to show they can do that. You know, Stroud and Young don't – you will – they've done it. Yeah. There's plenty of body work on that. That's the most interesting thing about this quarterback dilemma. For the Colts who need a quarterback, it's there's – no, there's no answer. Right? There's no obvious Everybody answer. has a flaw. And the problem is – and this is where everybody's freaking out. There are two guys next year. Yeah. One guy is slam oh, dunk, he's like number no one doubt. Without, yeah. Caleb Williams will be the, the most hyped – Quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. It'll it'll be like Andrew Luck again, and then Drake May from North Carolina will get quite a bit of hype as well. So, it's it, that's the problem. Is you're sitting there going, well, could take one of these. What if we could get Caleb? Oh, this city would burn. Yeah, Ballard would be public <laughs> enemy number one, and it might not be the wrong decision. Yeah, but. If you've lived through five quarterbacks in five years and you kind of get the feeling in Indianapolis that it's just take I one, mean, I listened to one. this this podcast about this guy that just was a great quarterback and he just decided one day to not do it anymore. And I can't imagine the psychological damage of that, that that does to a town. Like, yeah, we're, we're still trying to climb out of it. Let's be honest. You heard Ursa say he likes that Alabama oh, guy. Can, so. can, I, can I make a suggestion on the podcast? Is protect the horseshoe? Is that a – Sure. Is that, is that a possibility? <laughs> protect the horseshoe. <laughs> It's four pillars. It, we got all kinds got of stuff. Quartile. We got all kinds of stuff. Uh, <laughs> upper quartile. Top like. quartile of the upper quartile. Ooh, Don't tell like. them short. Well, see, I covered Urban Meyer as a beat writer, and, and he had the whole top 1% of 1% of oh, things. Like he, was talking about, he was talking about people as human beings, which I thought. There given, is a deep sense yeah, of irony. Yeah, given those Florida teams I covered, that was right. not. Man, I, got, really I, want, I want to read the book of those Florida teams. I want to read. Yeah, if if we if could prove if we could prove it half of it, it would be uh, it'd be a bestseller. Oh yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, Andy, for joining on. Yep. We had a lot Thanks, of fun, guys. man. Appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That was really beneficial for us. I'm going to go watch the quarterbacks on Saturday. James, you're going to listen to them tomorrow. Let's go into yesterday and what we heard because this is lion season. This is... <laughs> I think yesterday was for Ballard. It was downplaying the desperation that a lot of people feel the Colts have. Absolutely. We heard from Shane Steichen for just the second time as a head coach. We heard from Ballard again. What's your takeaway? Maybe not just on the quarterback front, but about this team's thinking 
March 2nd as the biggest decision of Ballard's tenure inches closer? I think that he made a strong effort to not jump on all the bait, not add fuel to the fire. I think that was his goal Absolutely. at the beginning. Absolutely. And so I actually wrote about it. Um, I got posted this morning. He kind of came out basically saying this is not a game of telephone. Like whatever you're hearing out there, whatever you're reading, whatever you like want to read, um, perhaps my, my, my mock draft, uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not true, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, and I think that was just to – at least maintain some sort of leverage. I don't know how much, but it's bad business for him to come out and just say, "We need a quarterback. We'll do whatever." We, like, why? It's do not it his now? style either. No, no way. But he doesn't like that people are assuming. Yeah, he's going to do what he's going to do. But I mean, it doesn't. It's not even like it's a report or breaking news. It's just obvious. Like anyone who casually even watches football knows the Colts need a quarterback. They haven't really had one in quite some time, and so I think that was a uh, again a concerted effort on his part to deny, deny, deny. Um, but we all know, like, you have to be sold on a guy. And the the thing that I drove home in my piece and I'll continue to do over the next few months is if you believe that you found the guy and no one else thinks he's the guy, what are your evaluations? Like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you like you cannot convince me that your number one book guy is going to be available at four no matter what. No. 100% cannot, agree. No way. But you can't say that now, but I'll say it. So um, what, I'll put it back on you. But what were your takeaways? Specifically, I guess, with Shane. I know he's all ball. He was a little more, I guess, yeah. uh, upbeat yesterday. But at the same time, um, you know, he has to be a big part of this decision as well. I liked what I heard from Shane Steichen. Very different from Frank Reich and just their style and their demeanor. And um, both are good in, in different ways. But Shane was very direct. He didn't waste words. He was very confident. It was very easy to tell why he interviewed well with the yeah. Colts. 12-hour interviews with Ballard, five-hour interviews with Jim Mercy. How do you survive? Shane Steichen is very convicted in what he believes in offensive football and, and why he got this job. And the thing that jumped out about what he said a lot was, one, he's, he's confident that he can coach up inaccuracy. Yeah. He said, look, you can do it. I've done it. And he has the proof to show, right? Jalen Hurts is a really good yeah. example. But then secondly, and this is something that he said multiple times, and this is why it jumped out at me, he said – the it factor is so vital to him. And he's worked with three guys that have very different it factors. But he talked about the process with Justin Herbert and how Justin would walk him through the everyday Monday through Friday preparation to get ready for Saturday college football games. He talked about Jalen Hurts being there at 6 in the morning and leaving at 9.30. And he wasn't like, it wasn't like coach speak. It was like he was looking at the Philadelphia reporters and he's like, you guys know Jalen. Like, like that it factor, that intangible thing that we always use in the media – that undescribable, indefinable trait, that's going to be huge for Steichen. And if there's one thing I know about Chris Ballard, it's that he goes and gets the quarterback his coach prefers. He's done that with Phillip Rivers. He did that with Carson Wentz. And Matt Ryan was a, was a Frank Reich sign-off as well. So if Shane Steichen has a very strong opinion in this quarterback, which he should and which he will, I think Ballard is going to take a lot, a lot into that, right? It, it, what Shane wants, this is all about... They hired Shane to, to groom And it's this not just him. They hired a bunch of other assistant coaches who have quarterback There's nothing history. more important. Absolutely. And here's what Ballard said. Absolutely. And Ballard's trying to downplay that. He even joked at the end. I asked him, do you like four? And he's like, I love four. We're going to get the best, quarterback, best player in the draft. And I said, I don't know about that, man. 
I know all the speculation out there. I know everybody in America is just automatically, automatically stamped that you got to move up to one to get it right. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. When we meet it in the staff and we say, okay, this is what we got to do. This is our guy for the next 10 to 15 years, and he's the right guy. Sure, we'll move up. But who's to say we won't get that done at four? That's him playing the game, right? Absolutely. Don't you think this comes down to the evaluation of Bryce Young? At the end of the day, it's yes. how big is the gap? It's a game of cat and mouse, right? You don't want to show all your cards. No one else wants to show all their cards as well. But, again, you have other teams lurking. That's the other point I want to drive home is it's not just a if you stay put, the draft order is going to remain the same. The teams that need quarterbacks are going to remain the same as far as the order of it. Someone else could leapfrog you at not any only time at number one, but at number three. You know, I know Houston is not moving from number two. Um, Unless they and, move up. Right, exactly. And so, in my mind – you know, you cannot just bank on the fact that no one else is going to, you know, move up to three or one um, and just stay put, and then you'll be able to get a guy like C.J. Stroud at number four. And like, that's what ideal. It, and if you have a guy who's the guy, you can't sit. You can't be patient. This is no. not you – you, you've done that for years. You can't do that anymore. And if, if you, you let if him go to Houston – He's going to kick your ass for ten years. <laughs> and Jim Mercer, above all, will be furious at that. Yes. I, you, you think it's bad when we Furious. moved down there and they, they tied them. I'm like, if you got to deal with 10 or 15 years of you just losing to the Texans, um, I don't know how much <laughs> fun he'll be. And he's already said to me a couple of years ago, he said, I got Trevor Lawrence for 10 years, 15 years maybe. He knows where this is going in the division, and he doesn't like it because he always had the upper hand. Yeah. He had the Peyton Manning trump card. He had the Andrew Love trump card. Now he's seen it from the other side. And I think that's where this comes into it. These three decision makers that are going to get into a room and decide, and Ballard and Steichen are going to present their thoughts to Jim Irsay. What is Jim Irsay going to say? Sit I, back, be patient, see how it plays out? No. Hell this no. This is a guy who every you know, preseason he's basically saying, you know, I want another Lombardi. He won't say that this year, obviously, or at least I would assume so. You never know what he's actually going to say. Lombardi ain't coming this um, year. But, but, yeah, I just think that, again, um, they're in a unique position because there isn't a clear-cut Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning prospect. Um, there isn't a you know, clear-cut number one superstar that everyone obviously knows is going to be a dude. Like, I don't think there are any doubts about Joe Burrow being a dude or Trevor Lawrence, you know, given there's a no, real coach now. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Joe Burrow in this class, which makes this so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my thing is how much faith do you have in Shane Steichen or, or even himself? How much will he advocate – for a project-type quarterback. And, and I think the Colts – How much patience my, do you have? Yeah, in my mind, the reason they're, why they're out of the Anthony Richardson sweepstakes is because they don't have the time or, like, the – they have the time, I guess, but they don't really have, in my opinion, the infrastructure to wait for him to become what he could become. You know, he's, he's the biggest project – he can't start right away. Like, like Andy was saying, like, I don't see him coming in and running an NFL That's where offense. I might disagree – a lot, of been, a lot has been made and, and a lot has been written by me and others about Jim Mercedes' impatience this season. But for the most part, he's a very patient owner. Mm -hmm. And he understands that process. He understands bringing in a quarterback and making him wait. And I think the Colts would be willing to do that. I'm not saying they're going to go get Richardson. But I think the Colts would be – I think Jim Mercedes is thinking about 2025 right now. I don't think he's thinking about 2023. He knows that. He knows that better than most owners, and that's important. And obviously they hired Shane Steichen for one reason, to groom this quarterback. To win, obviously, but because he's so um, well-versed in, in dealing with quarterbacks. But I think – let me get your take on this. This was another interesting thing. They kept saying 
you know, the quarterbacks come in all shapes and sizes. Great quarterbacks. It's, it's in the beauty. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. All that nonsense. Chris Ballard is a traits guy. Does he need to be talked out of being a traits guy to draft a Bryce Young, who fits the bill in so many ways, but is maybe 5'10 and a half and under 200 pounds? And you just heard Andy a minute ago say two quarterbacks in history have been drafted at that size in the league, and neither of them did much in the league. Yeah, We're I would, talking about a top-five pick. And I, would, I would even add that it's not only – it would not only be out of character for Chris Ballard, it would be out, out of character for the entire league. And so I had a story yeah. a while back where um, ESPN had this story where they had looked at all the teams that had traded up for a quarterback in the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years or whatever the case may be. Um, only two of them were under 6'2". That was Michael Vick and Johnny Manziel. One was a four-time pro bowler. The other one was a complete bust. And so it's not just a Chris Ballard thing in this case when it comes to quarterback size. It's a league thing. You're it's right. It's a league thing. And so, you know, you get the Steph Curry comparisons to Bryce Young as far as, like, is he that anomaly where he's just a playmaker? He's just a guy who can do stuff that other people just can't do because he's one of one. And if you feel – convicted, as uh, Chris Ballard said, and our, my editor Dave, he messaged me last night, did he mean convinced or convicted? I was like, he said convicted. He did say convicted, but I was wondering about the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I had to play it back myself. Both work. So um, I thought convicted was pretty, well, actually a little bit stronger. Like, like no doubt convicted Absolutely. that he's the guy. And again, I think that that comes from a lot of this process here. And not only just, like everyone's going to ooh and ah over what they do on the field. Um, and honestly, I'm excited to see that because we're football writers. You know, you want to see yeah. people actually play the game. Yeah. However, we also understand that, like, it's against no defense. It's, against, it's with wide receivers you don't really know. And so – Ballard I, downplayed it yesterday. Absolutely. He said, we've already – everything's on the tape. And I think that this is when you get to meet them, talk to them, realize what's going on in their head, um, the type of character they have. And I, I don't discredit character, but I also understand, like, when you are supremely talented – there are some things that you might, you know, not be as hard on. But I think all these guys, from what I've heard, are great dudes. Like all the top four guys haven't heard any, you know, bad things about them as far as the quarterbacks. But um, I think that that factor is in, especially considering we're going to hand you the keys to our franchise. I think, I think you can talk yourself into any one of the four. If you can buy into the upside of any one of the four. We're doing it right now. Depending on what you like and what you want. And Steichen might like one thing and Ballard might like one thing and Ursay might like one thing. I could honestly see any one of the four being highly regarded within the building. Here's where I think it comes down to from conversations with these people in the building for years and what I know about Chris Ballard and the little I know about Shane Steichen. It's going to be the interviews. It's going to be because – to be a franchise quarterback at the age of 22 or 23, there's going to be so much on your plate. And Ballard even mentioned yesterday, one of the most important parts of the combine, and no one's ever said this that I've heard, are the interviews with the media, how they handle the media onslaught that they're going to see tomorrow morning. That's fascinating. And I do agree to some degree because I've been able to tell with some players, they're not ready. They don't know what's coming. And then with other guys, they're like, oh, this is easy. Like, I'm totally convicted in my own skin. I know what I'm doing. That's an interesting part of this, and I think the 15-minute interviews this week are, are just a very sauce, small sample size. The real ones, the real top 30 visits where they sit down with these guys for several hours, they're going to throw plays up on the, on the page, have them redo it. Like That's going to stuff where they're going to really get beneath the surface and figure out who these guys are. And I could just see on April 27th, the night of the first round, whoever they draft, Ballard saying, 
you know, he really won us over in the interview. Not on the field, not at the combine. He really won us over when he was at our facility going through plays or at his pro day showing us stuff. That's when we really felt like we got to know him because this is not just a football decision. Like he mentioned, you're drafting the next future face of your franchise. He's going to be heavily scrutinized for 10 to 15 years. There's a lot of pressure on this kid. Who can handle that? You got my wheels turning. Maybe I should just bring a football tomorrow and like stick it out in front of them, like backyard. Okay, what, what, what player are you going to run and where should I go to you know, test your knowledge? But in all seriousness, there are going to be a lot of – I think that's the part that's fascinating to me, and I've read a lot about the different tests and like how academic it can be in a sense because there's so many variables in football, um, even more so than the last sport that I covered, which it's is basketball. Gonna Everything go is the wrong. Same. It's going to go wrong. It's the Colts. It's going to go wrong. <laughs> how are you going to handle it when it goes wrong yeah. and gets hard? But even just the factors of, again, like I said, coming from a place where I cover basketball, it's the same court no matter where you are. Like obviously, you know, playing Denver or something like that, you got elevation, but it's controlled environment. The rim's always the same, you know, but in football, the field's always 100 yards or whatever, but you might be hot one week, cold the next. It might be in a dome. You might have the sun coming in. You might have other things factoring into that. And then you have just more bodies involved, which complicates it even more. And so I think that, again, as Andy was saying, you see these guys dominate in college because their, their teams are so much better. Ohio State is a different brand of football in the Big yeah. Ten than anyone else. And, Correct. And, and, and re- in respect to Michigan, right. they're, they're in that. They're, those are the top two. Those are the top dogs in that conference. And so that's not the same in the NFL. Yeah, you're not, like, not going to have Marvin Harrison, who's way better than everybody else he sees every week in the NFL. The Colts beat the Chiefs this past season. And so, again, in the NFL, all that cliche, any given Sunday, it's partly true just because of the talent in the league itself. You're not going to, like, run the schedule. There, there hasn't been a perfect team since, you know, the Dolphins. Um, which my dad is happy about because he, he hated the fact that a team from my era possibly could have done it. He lets me know that all the time. But in all seriousness, there's so many variables involved with that. And so that's why I think it's going to be, again, just a really, really um, deep, deep dive. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sleepless nights over what's the right call. Because if you get it right, you're a hero. Chris Ballard, you saved the day. If you get it wrong, you're probably gone. No, there's no probably. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that simple. You get it right, you save your job. You don't, you're not going to be here. That's, that's the reality. He knows that. Um, and, and the thing is, we're not going to know for a couple years. He, right. he made a that's good true. point yesterday, and, and it was a little um, you know, lost in all of the topic. But, like, if a guy's not a stud in two years, the he league moves on that. from him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about how it's not just who they draft. It's what they do with him, and that's really important, and everyone overlooks that. But the situation you put him in. Colts allowed 60 sacks last year. Part of that was because the quarterbacks were not mobile, but also the offensive line regressed into one of the worst in the league. Who do you want to put behind that line? A 22-year-old who's undersized? That's a very real concern they have to have. Now, they're going to try and address the offensive line, but there's a lot of nuance to that. I once asked Chris Ballard, like, how do you figure out who's the real guys and who's not? And he's like, that's the art of it. That's what scouting is because everybody can watch the tape. It's figuring out who's a real dude, for lack of a better term. And I think that's what this comes down to. I think at the end of the day, they're going to get in a room and they're going to be like, I can believe in this guy. And if they're wrong, they're going to like, look, we made the best decision we could based on the information we had at the time. But that's why it's so fascinating, because there's no slam dunk. And to his credit, Chris Ballard, he has this track record of trading back and able to acquire talent and have that eye for talent. This is uncomfortable for him. This isn't something he's accustomed to doing. Correct. And so 
this is like his first real big swing on obviously the most important position in football, but we could argue is the most important position in like American sports. It is, yeah. I mean, yeah. QB matters. Don't screw it up. Yeah, it's the reason why they're you know every week we're all gathered around the QB's locker and not the place kicker or you know or you know the long snapper. Although you know Chase McLaughlin, you know Luke Rhodes, they were pretty good last season, but. No scrums for them. That's the whole point. Chase had a good season. The team was trash. But jokes aside, we mentioned it on a previous podcast, Jonathan Taylor had an awesome season. Yeah. All pro, historic season. Last two years ago, yeah. Where Didn't get matter. Him? Nine and eight and out of the playoffs because they couldn't beat Jacksonville in right. week 18. But we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> scars are still scars are still there. Oh, this week is about hope, and it's about hype, and it's about quarterbacks. And we'll be – flooding the Athletics Colts page with lots of coverage tomorrow. We have a bunch of stories up today on what Chris Bowden and Shane Steichen said, if we believe them, what they said about the quarterback position. We will flood the Athletic page tomorrow with stories about Bryce Young and Will Levis and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, what they say at the podiums, how they conduct themselves, kind of giving you guys a little bit deeper view of who these guys are, and then I will be there Saturday to watch them throw as well. So for James Boyd, this is Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Andy Staples for hopping on unprompted, and giving us a ton of backstory on these guys. That was really fascinating. And the QB question continues in Indy. Thanks for listening. We will catch up with you guys when free agency gets going in the next couple of weeks.